This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Let us know what you think about the episode. If there's any questions that you have or a guest or a topic that you'd like to have covered, we're always checking YouTube comments and we love to be able to get what you guys suggest onto episodes. On today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with Shane from BD Diesel. They released a lot of really cool things at SEMA this year. So I wanted to chat with them about that, about 6.7 Cummins turbos, exhaust brakes, performance, kind of horsepower recipes um, you know, for a daily driver, something that's going to tow, but you're going to be over 500 horsepower. So somewhere between five and six. So it's going to be a great chat. Before we get to it though, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors. We appreciate their support, all of our sponsors. But earlier this year, um, I had done an episode with Fluid Dampener, and there's a lot of great feedback that I've heard from you guys as far as um, you know understanding how the factory dampener can can fail, what kind of carnage can happen, you know, when that takes place. I know a lot of you guys are picking up older trucks or wanting to maintain what you already have, and it's a great way to be able to avoid an engine rebuild if you know you're not planning on it. Um, so definitely make sure to check out their website. Just go to fluidampener.com. We've got a ton of information about it. Um, as far as, um, you know, different part numbers, depending on the engine that you have, if you have questions, you know, reach out to them, give them a call. They'd love to be able to chat with you. It's one of those upgrades that I can really appreciate because there's no maintenance to it. There's nothing that you need to do other than install it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it helps. It's not just for race vehicles. And that was what we really focused in on that episode about is how a daily driver, a stock truck, just something that's got a lot of either time or miles on it can definitely benefit. So definitely make sure and check them out. Give them a shot with any questions. Also, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off discount code for you. Just use code diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com. They've got something to meet any budget, um, you know, all the way from something you're just going to throw in a, in a like a toolbox or glove compartment to if you're a knife enthusiast and you're really into different kind of blade material, handle materials, opening mechanisms, it's a great way to be able to save some money and get some cool gear. All right, let's get to today's episode with Shane from BD Diesel and talking about 6.7 Cummins upgrades. Shane, welcome Ooh. to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to be able to chat with you today. I've seen a ton of videos that you've done um, with showcasing BD products over the years. And so when I had the opportunity to sit down today with you and chat, I was really excited to learn more about uh, turbos, exhaust brakes, and tons of different things that you guys are working on there at BD Diesel. Sure, yeah. I'm really excited to be here. Anytime I get an opportunity to talk shop uh, with people about cars, trucks, and all those things, that's right up my alley. So I'm excited. Excited to be a part of the show, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about your sort of journey to be an automotive a truck enthusiast, a diesel enthusiast, and what you do at, at BD Diesel. I'm always really curious how we all, you know, end up really being able to work with our passions and, you know, our hobbies and stuff. So I was curious what, what led you to this industry. Sure. Well, I've always been a huge gearhead, even from small childhood, super being into drag racing, still am, uh, super into any type of motorsports. Uh, so... As uh, we can go way back to being a little kid and you want to work on cars and design cars and stuff. So when I found out that uh, people that design cars have to have an art major and draw pictures, then that was off the table. We wanted to get into the nitty gritty. So uh, I became a mechanical engineer uh, and I've always had a passion for wrenching on stuff and on my own cars. I have a 
turbocharged motorcycle project at home. So all that motorsport stuff is right up my alley. So as a mechanical engineer, I worked in some heavy industry for a little bit and then uh, landed a job here at BD Diesel and it's been super awesome. So it fits uh, my personal passion for motorsports and uh, and for my professional passion for uh, designing and engineering products. So. Now, were you were you always interested in diesel or was it something like for me, it came much later. I, I wasn't interested in diesel or didn't even really know that much early on and especially out of college. It was something I, I kind of fell into or, or found out that, hey, I really love this later on. Is is that how it was for you or did you always kind of have a passion for equipment and diesel trucks and, and everything? Uh, you and I are very similar in that way. I was always uh, being around drag strip, of course, everything's mostly gas pot. Uh, but what really turned me on to diesel stuff is I got a diesel pickup truck to pull my race bike around. Uh, and then seeing more and more diesel drag race trucks, I really fell in love with how the whole scene is still very grassroots, right? Like yeah. when you go to the drag strip with a gas pot car, you know, there is a lot of really cool stuff there, but for the most part, it's all been done before, you know, like you want to build a dragster or well, you just go get this big block and this chassis and put it together and away you go power glide that done. Uh, I mean, it's expensive and it's a big project, but really like the recipe's done, but you go to diesel event and man, like you get such a diverse uh, array of guys and all their different ideas of how to solve this problem. Like nobody's really done the, oh, just get this motor and this chassis and this transmission and plunk it together and go, right? Like, yeah. You know, if you go to UCU being the UCC, I'm sure like just the different combos and the, you know, transmissions and 48s and in a Chevy and allison's and who knows what like so that really uh, turned my crank that innovative uh, uh thinking outside the box having to solve the problem and engineer solutions uh, very reminiscent of motorsports uh you know of, of many years ago you know even nhra drag racing from the 60s and the 70s where a lot of that top tier heads up classes weren't nearly as ironed out as they are today so that's what really got me interested and intrigued with diesel performance so I imagine it's probably really cool with your engineering background and being passionate about motorsports and then diesel is, you know, when somebody comes to you and says, Hey, we have this idea for this product. How does that kind of work as far as coming up with something new? Like there's a, say there's a year range of truck that has, yeah, I'd say an issue or like a common failure um, from the mm -hmm. OEs. How does that process work to design a product on, um, you know, the way you're involved with it there at BD? Yeah, so, you know, we'll work closely together with sales in the marketing department and especially sales guys as they reach out to our customers and dealer network. We'll hear about these items or even personally experience. We have trucks here in our fleet that, you know, we experience those same issues with. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we'll say, let's talk about, um, you know, exhaust manifolds cracking or warping and such, right? So then we'll try and take an analytical approach, look and try and see you know, why? Why are these manifolds cracking? You don't just want to like blindly make something in hoping that it's going to solve the problem. So we'll go at a, a way of trying to sort out why they're cracking or why these flex plates break or uh, why some transmissions blow shafts. You know, we'll, for example, you want to make sure that your damping ratio through your torque converter uh, is correct for the transmission you're putting behind it uh, because often in the aftermarket, you put like a multi-disc uh, converter in front of a transmission that wasn't originally designed with that sort of mass in the system. And we, so then we'll go through and make sure that whatever we're designing doesn't have adverse effects 
on on the on the whole drive line or the engine or the vehicle. Um, and then from there, of course, you get into like the feasibility, you know, what what's realistic, what could the market support, so on and so forth. I think uh, that's one of the really cool things when I think of BD diesel, I think of products that solve issues that people have. And, and I know we're going to touch on a couple of them today, but one is exhaust brakes. And yeah. I was uh, watching the stuff you guys were doing at SEMA and, and following as much as, as I could. So I wanted to ask you about the, the exhaust brake for the 6.7 Cummins. Can you tell us a bit about <clears throat> what went into designing it, um, how it integrates with the truck and just some of the details of it? Yeah, so what's really exciting is our new electronic exhaust brake. Uh, as you would know, and many people know already, we've been manufacturing exhaust brakes for many, many years. Uh, that's sort of been our original bread and butter the company started years ago. Uh, and typically they've been vacuum or air operated. So yep. um, like say a 12 valve or something that has a vacuum pump on board, we have vacuum brakes. And then we get into like the more common rail stuff where you know we have hydro boost and you don't have vacuum on board anymore. We supply air compressor. But this is like a next generational shift where we actuate the exhaust flap using electric electronic actuator. In this case, a whole set type actuator. Um, so like our existing product line with air brakes, you have a 6.7 Cummins, you put an aftermarket turbocharger on it, you lose your exhaust brake functionality. So by having an electronic exhaust brake, it makes the package really simple. We can throw this exhaust brake in the truck, and a single control module can interface between the factory vehicle ECM and this uh, actuator uh, and bring back all your OEM features, your OEM button, the warm-up mode, all that kind of stuff, including the exhaust brake, obviously. That's really cool because I, I don't think there's ever been a complete solution like that. And I know there's a lot of truck owners out there that was something that's important to them because most people are using their diesel truck to tow or, or haul things. And there's, there's so many benefits to that exhaust brake with, you know, deceleration and braking and things like that. But I never, it just in, in, you know, what I saw and, and, and listening to you guys, I never saw anything that comprehensive where it interfaced with the, the truck itself so seamlessly. I, I think that's what people are really going to kind of hone in on is how seamless it is to have yeah. it integrate with the truck. And we've been doing that interfacing with the six, seven, with our air brakes for a number of years now. Um, so that functionality does exist on the air brake. Uh, but the biggest thing being just the lack of install requirements. With an air brake, you got to mount the compressor, run all the airlines, air regulator, all that kind of business. Uh, in this case, all that's gone. Uh, one of the big features being for guys in colder weather climates where air systems like to freeze up in the winter, right? Unless you made sure you kept them dry or, or winterized them or something. So in this case, we you eliminate all that possibility. That... Uh... It's really interesting that you mentioned that because we've been doing a lot of episodes recently about winter and it's getting cold. And I know you guys have a lot of customers and shops, you know, in Canada where they, the temperature yeah. gets really extreme like that. And so that sure. was something I was curious about was, um, is when I think of the other kits you mentioned, they're more complex and that you got the lines and other things going on and you get a ton of snow and things just get icy under there and everything. So I think it's really cool how it's electronic and it seems simple to install. I mean, I'm sure I'm not a mechanic, yeah. so it would take me a while no, to do it, but <laughs> straightforward. It comes with the, uh, Marmon adapters and you just slice into your exhaust pipe and put them in and away you go. And then essentially once you got the brake mounted in there in the exhaust, then you just plug in the harness and That's it all it. plugs in 
to the factory vehicle wiring under hood. So you actually don't have to go through the firewall or run any wiring inside the cab at all. Oh, cool. And then like, as far as actuating it or turning it on, it would be just like factory. Just like factory. You turn the button, push a button on your 6.7 on the console. Uh, and then, yeah, if the truck's cold, the factory ECM will command warm up like it would with, uh, with the other, with its original actuator. So, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's going to be incredibly popular because it's, it's something that people have wanted for such a long time. And you think about you know, where trucks were like first gen or second gen or, um, you know, seven, three Fords or, you know, the, the LB seven Duramaxes. And then we take a look at a 2022 or 2023, how advanced they are, how comfortable they are. And I think truck owners have become used to kind of the creature comforts and how seamlessly mm -hmm. things are installed. And so I think what you were just mentioning with how it plugs in and how it operates we want that. And I think in the past, maybe the aftermarket didn't allow for those sorts of things. Um, but the, the market's changed a lot. And I think people really appreciate something that installs that smooth and, and just integrates so well. Yeah. I mean, like modern diesel trucks, but so much power. And like you said, do it in relative comfort. I mean, like if you drive, uh, even I own an LB7 uh, and even driving like an LML around or like a late LML with the new body style, like that's considerably fancier truck. And make so much power, you know, a hot older truck, like let's see, let's talk about Cummins, like a hot 24 valve was a pretty aggressive truck to drive around. And uh, you got to get used to some of the idiosyncrasies of living with the truck that makes, but, you know, let's say five, 600 horse, but I mean, a modern common rail six, seven, making five, 600 horse, like that's pretty much, it'll just drive around like a stock truck. So yeah, you get spoiled with uh, late model power and then, you don't want to live with those funny, weird, well, i got to run the wiring in the cab and i got this mystery switch under the dash and then, <laughs> oh, you know, the buddy boards a truck and then he's messing with switches and trucks. Yeah, you just forget it. Just, you know, you install all this stuff and it just operates exactly like it did from factory and you still get the benefits of the performance increase. I was talking with somebody um, recently that's newer to diesels and um, I was telling them about just how it used to be 10 or 15 years ago and they're like, you would just have a switch and you would hit this switch to do this and you'd have a, you know, this dial to do that. And they're so used to yep. like a monitor, something electronic. Um, and I, I really like that technology. And I know, you know, as we're chatting about exhaust brakes, <clears throat> one of the big things that uh, six, seven Cummins owners are always, I think, interested in um, is more performance out of a turbocharger. And mm. you guys had, um, you know, some things that I saw that were really interesting, but I wanted to have you chat with us about, you know, from 07 and a half, you know, to current or close to current, what do you guys offer or have for like, a, you know, a drop-in replacement, something that's super easy for somebody to install or shop to install, um, but where they can get some benefits for, you know, a little bit more power, cooler EGTs, things like that. Yeah. Well, as many people know about our, our Screamer lineup of turbochargers is, is that's the prime uh, product for that marketplace. So uh, we, we market under the brand name Screamer, a series of turbochargers that goes across many different makes and models of diesel pickup trucks. But the idea is the same. It's a stock drop-in turbocharger with increased performance, larger wheels, typically larger compressor wheel, often even with an increased uh, size turbine side or even uh, better flowing turbine wheel uh, to try and help elevate that turbocharger sort of that like next step, next level. So especially when you talk about six, seven trucks, uh, they have a ton of potential to make power and the factory turbocharger can often be a limitation. And as many people have experienced with six, seven Cummins, the factory turbocharger will fail. So there's a great opportunity to 
upgrade when you're replacing the turbo to something like a screamer. So we run uh, our screamer turbo for a 6.7 Cummins is a 64 and a half uh, millimeter comp wheel with a uh, increased uh, 70 millimeter turbine side increased exhaust flow. We find that package works the best while still keeping the turbocharger drivable, right? Like there's a there's a crossover. Like if you want a real hot rod, you probably want to go a little bigger than that. But then you start to talk about living with the vehicle and drivability and uh, and towing and stuff. It starts. So we found that size that we have the 64 and a half with that turbine uh, gives us the availability for power. I mean, like one of our test mules here um, with a bunch of with some fuel thrown at it. it it made 690 horsepower at the wheels. So with the screamer turbocharger on it, where there's, is there's power potential? Yeah. Yeah. And it really got me curious because if somebody is new, say they just picked up a six, seven, um, an older one, maybe it's their first diesel truck. And I find I get a lot of questions from the audience about, um, you know, Hey, I can read things from five or 10 years ago, but the market's so different now. When, Super. like, when would somebody, when is the factory t- turbo just maxed it's just the dry pressure is too high the egts are going to get too hot what sort of power level does that happen and then with the screamer what does it uh what does it allow that truck owner to now do like um is there going to be you know lower egts what sort of power levels could it support and i'm thinking more of like that truck that tows maybe hauls every now and then but they're running some other you know aftermarket products because they they kind of got bitten by the horsepower bug and, you know, they just wanted a little more torque. Well, yeah. Well, anytime, any stock diesel pickup truck, especially let's talk about like, we can talk about like a late third gen or early fourth gen six, seven Ram. Um, I mean, you get in that like 550 horsepower range, you're going to run out of fuel from the factory pump. uh, And really your EGTs is going to be getting pretty healthy at that point. Um, And then the EGT game sort of goes along with the turbo size, right? The tighter the turbo, the higher the EGTs, it's just start skyrocketing when you get up in the horsepower. So let's say you want to make that 600 horsepower. Well, the factory turbo will probably get you there, but you're going to be pretty aggressive on the EGTs, right? You're going to be at a point where it's probably not healthy any longer. So being able to step up into a slightly larger turbocharger allows you to keep those power levels up with, but the increased flow allows you to decrease your EGTs. So yeah, that kind of customer or that kind of application, you drop in a screamer turbo and right away, you'd be able to make the same power the EGTs would be dropped. So if you want to make more power, I mean, you can push back up into the EGTs again, where you'll make more power, but you'll be, it's that same step. Like you said, guy gets yeah. bit by a horsepower bug, guy or girl gets bit, bit by a horsepower bug. You know, they have like 500 horse and they get used to that. And they have like 600 and they get used to that. And eventually, you know, you'll have to go up and turbocharge sizes if you want to go any further. But but, uh, but that 600 and change horsepower range is a really sweet spot, in my opinion, for a daily driven 6.7. Like you can, that's pretty, you can drive that truck as if it's stock. Yeah. That sort of range. I think that's a really popular kind of range is at 550 ish to you know about 600 where sure. um, somebody just wants a little bit more power but you know obviously the factory turbo is not designed or rated for that so they get into issues of you know heat and and other things and i think that's where the majority of the market is is um you know we do some other upgrades it's pretty easy to get them over 500 horsepower and then it's exactly. like when you look at the turbo side i love the idea of just it being a direct replacement so i don't have to yeah. change tons of other things or um yeah just just 
deal with all the things that would go into that. I can just drop it in. It's ready to go. And I'm on my way. Yeah. You don't get nickel and dime, right? You're going to yeah. drop in some custom charger and then you need a different downpipe and a different intake and something, 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 right? You start to get nickel and dime down the road where stock drop-in charger is really slick. And ultimately, yeah, like there's that sort of next threshold you probably know about where you get to that 700, 750 horsepower. Now we start talking about a range where if you're going to live in that area, you start to have to expect uh, engine components to start failing at an earlier period than originally designed, right? Like the design life on connecting rods and all those kind of details and bearings in the bottom end. None of that was really designed to see daily use at 700, 750 horsepower. So eventually you'll see something happen. In the case we have experience with our, we have an early six, seven, early fourth gen six, seven on staff here that we've bent the rods on and had to rebuild. So, and it lives in that 750, 800 range. Um, so yeah, there's a commitment to get to there, right? So there's that nice solar Goldilocks. You can make 600 horse, but you haven't really done that full commitment on other hard parts of the engine it just reminded me of, of something when we were chatting earlier in the podcast about where we started and you know being gearheads and stuff is you know i started out being interested in gas vehicles and trucks and and everything and i remember like a new model would come out or a new engine type and it made 40 more horsepower and it was like right. people would run and want to trade in the old model to get this and what i love about diesel is it does not matter so you see these horsepower wars and what the new Ford's coming out with and the new Duramax. Yeah. It's so easy to have that in a 2008 or a 12 or a 15. Um, For sure. And I think especially with the market as well, where people are wanting to hold on to their vehicles or maybe aren't wanting to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a you know brand new platinum or, you know, something like that. You can still, you can make more power, more torque. You can have that performance side, um, you know, that towing ability and the drive ability on something that's older. So that's why I really see like the turbocharger, this the Screamer turbocharger really factoring in for a huge range of six, seven owners. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and being a turbocharged engine in general, like the the ceiling is definitely lifted higher than if you want to talk about you know gasoline stuff that's naturally aspirated. You know, there's no limited amount of power on the table available there, right? Where yeah. diesels in this case, all, all our late model diesels all being turbocharged. The, the ceiling is quite high. You want more power, there's a turbocharger there and it's happy to help. So I did uh I did want to chat with you a little bit because I know some somebody's listening to this as a six seven and they're thinking, all right, I'm right in this spot. I know my factory turbo, maybe it, it went out and they, they want to use something better or they uh need you know some more just cooler EGTs or more performance. And they're gonna yeah. say, Okay, well, but I've got a sixty eight RFE what am I going to do or, or what would I need to set up my transmission to be able to handle this? I know you guys offer a ton of different things, you know, for yeah. transmissions, but if you were going to create like the ultimate towing setup for a six, seven Cummins, what, uh, what kind of recipe would you suggest to somebody to look at for upgrades? We have uh, what we call our big stack 
uh, shaft assembly for our overdrive because as everybody knows, overdrive is one of one of uh, the pain points for 60 RFP. I mean, there's several different ones, including the Sprague and so on and so on. But really that overdrive is especially towing with, yeah, and there's a little bit of power, you're going to cook overdrive. So uh, we have a really nice uh, custom built uh, overdrive assembly uh, that we put in there that allows us to run more clutches with more steel, uh, the with larger backing plates, like pressure plates inside. Uh, and we feel it makes a really robust overdrive. Uh, and in our trucks that make a bunch of horsepower, that's been super reliable. I mean, the other really key thing for 68s and something that we do here at BD is gasketed separator plate in the valve body. Through a bunch of testing, as many people have discovered and through some of our testing we've discovered, leakages between the two halves, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's different ways that people have felt like they've managed to uh, remedy them. You know, you sand or plane the surfaces, try to make them really, really flat, try and get them to seal great. But uh, through testing, we found the most successful way, the most reliable way is to do it with a gasket separator plate. So that's especially becomes true when you start to add line pressure, which is critical for trying to hold power, right? The more line pressure you can have, the more holding power you can get in the clutch pack. So our ultimate recipe would be what you get if you purchase the BD transmission. It would have gasketed separator plate, it would have increased line pressure uh, with a pressure controller, uh, and then it would have our big stack overdrive with increased plates and more uh, more steel mass there. Would uh, say say I do the transmission, I do the turbocharger, and I'm gonna the truck's gonna be you know five fifty ish, kind of right in there. Yeah. What other things should I look at, or would I need to do anything? Um, you know, as far as on my six seven, would you recommend an intercooler upgrade? Um, you know, should I look at um, head studs, valve springs, things like that, or or what? Uh, what are some of those other things that might factor into, you know, a 550 horse truck? I'm going to tow with it. I might take it to sure. the drag strip every now and then, but you know, I'm not, I'm not really pushing it. I'm not trying to, you know, be competitive at UCC or anything like that. Just have a little fun. Totally. Yeah. Nice daily. My favorite test mule here at the company is the recipe in my opinion. It's a uh, late third gen with a six, seven in it. It has the screamer turbo. It's got a built transmission with a multi-disc converter. Uh, and it has a, uh, Upgraded CP3 pump has one of our 12 millimeter strokers in it uh, for increased fueling, and it has uh, head studs and, uh, and and larger injectors. So it's got the fuel pump and the injectors to uh, help push beyond that 500 range. Uh, and the aforementioned uh, screamer turbo we talked about in a transmission, and that truck it is being bomb proof. It, it, everybody in the shop uses it as the runabout. You know, <laughs> somebody needs a truck to grab, they grab grab the 08. And uh, away it goes. And if you walk around the truck, it is bone stock. It's got the um, sort of unsightly chrome clad wheel still on it. It's stock ride height, stock size tires. You pop the hood, it looks bone stock. The truck drives like it's completely stock. But, uh, you know, you turn the tune knob underneath the dash and it'll put down, you know, 690 if the tires on a dyno bay, right? But you leave it in, you leave it in tune three and it's, it's a hard ride. It's a fun truck to drive. Get people in it super unassuming. You know, people get in, you're like, oh, this is a really cool test mule, and it's not very, it's very unassuming. Nobody expects it to be very quick, but uh, it'll knock a lot of people's socks off. That's always, that's always a really fun thing about diesel um, is the kind of that sleeper status where it's like, yeah. oh, it's just a just a daily driving work truck, but then there's, you know, 690 hey, we, horsepower. We got a drag strip here local to us and uh, Friday nights, like a lot of drag strips, we sort of run like an open open lane streetcar kind of night. 
And uh, we've taken that truck a handful of times with uh, some other people from the department and the company and, you know, show them what it can do. And I've driven that truck personally into the 12 sevens in a quarter mile and it's, you know, put in four high and just stand on it. Like there's nothing much to it. That's really cool. That's, that's kind of the ultimate, uh, you know, sort of daily driver, which I, those always get my attention the most because I think they're, they're easier to attain than a full race truck. And, and a lot of yeah. enthusiasts may not want to go down, you know, the route of a different chassis and engine and all that kind of stuff, but we want to have a little bit of fun. We want it to be reliable. And I've always I really appreciated what BD diesel does to be able to deliver that. And not just with Cummins, but you know, power stroke and Duramax as well, but specifically with the six, seven stuff, because there's so many different products, so many different ways <clears throat> that we can either fix a, a, an issue that the OEM gave us, or we want something that's competitive with, you know, a brand new truck or outperforms it. And you guys have those, those options for us. Yeah. And don't forget, even people that have built race trucks, like even, um, Myself with motorcycles, my turbo motorcycles gotten to the point where it's barely usable on the street anymore. And I sort of look back and wish it was just like one step turned down where you could actually use it. And I think that's the really great thing about uh, these six, seven trucks in that 650 horse range. Like you get to enjoy the truck. Like, yeah, you can take it to the direction for Friday night and it's pretty quick. Right. But at the same point, like you can get up in the morning and get in and drive it. And I think that's the biggest thing about, about the, uh, you know, the diesel enthusiast or vehicle enthusiast scene is just using your vehicle driving it like it's no fun having it just sit there in the garage and throw money at it right that is a really excellent point you made because there are so many people that i have talked to that they got bit by the the horsepower bug and they went from like a 500 550 horsepower truck to a six month build that put it at 1500 and one of the things that i hear from them is it's not as fun. I can't really drive it every day or I can't even use the power potential that it has except for, you know, maybe once a week at a test and tune. And they yep. say exactly what you said. I wish I wouldn't have taken it quite this far because we want to use it and enjoy it. And there's something fun about totally. not a lot of lag, a lot of torque, really nice, you know, transmission shifts and, you know, just enjoying it all the time. Yeah. One of our test mules at one time, they sure all our test mules sort of go through different various phases of, of turbos and such, but one of them at one time had uh, compounds on it and a bunch of fuel in our dual CP3 kit and it made uh, 1150 at the wheels. Uh, and that truck was a ton of fun, but it seemed like every time we took it out to go to the drag strip or down a day, we'd come back with something broken, that uh, some catastrophe that had to be solved, which is fun in its own way, right? If you're into drag racing or motorsports, that's sort of part of the game, right? Not that it's fun breaking stuff, but it's that continual challenge of fixing things. But on that point, you know, that truck wasn't, didn't fulfill the uh, get up in the morning and go grab coffee with it fun part. Right. Right. And I, I've done episodes um, in the past with a couple of racers um, who worked with you guys or part of the BD race team. And one of the things that uh, one of the themes that they would always tell me is how awesome BD was to work with because they they're pushing the envelope they're they're right on the edge of you know innovation and you know that support and i know a lot of that has kind of trickled down into the daily driver stuff and i wanted to ask you that question is you know on the high performance stuff what kind of things have you guys learned with that to be able to say apply it specifically to six seven cummins maybe with turbo technology or transmission stuff or just different things that, you know, five to 600 horsepower truck can now take advantage of something you guys learned on, you know, like 
Derek Rose's truck or somebody else's that's making sure. a ton of power. Yeah, I mean, the bulk of that is going to come from fueling and turbos. Like, just the data recording that we've done on some of our mules, you know, over a thousand horsepower, you start to see things, uh, you know, EGTs and exhaust flow required and, and how that all interacts with the delta pressure across the engine and stuff through the turbocharger. All those things, that's all the same for all boost and power levels, right? It's fundamentally the same. But when you're pushing it so hard, you start to really see where the cracks are, right? Um, and that goes along not just for turbocharging the fuel, but for driveline too, right? There's things that the driveline experiences over a thousand horsepower that you'll never see um, happen at a lower power, but doesn't mean that those things can't build reliability and strength into, uh, into lower power levels. So you even see it with a little product we sell, the diamond shim plate. So we noticed that uh, some of the ASINs started coming with these diamond shim plates between between the flex plate and the engine. Uh, and you do a little bit of design study on some of those things. And it's all about increasing friction between the flex plate and the crankshaft, uh, where when you start to get really high power levels, the resonance in the system and the crankshaft and the clamp load of the flex plate can't support anymore. And you start to actually see a small amount of slip, which damages the flex plate. So just small things like that, you notice and you learn, and then you, we, can say, well, hey, look at this, like there's an opportunity. We can take these little shim plates and something that uh, is needed when you get up to higher power levels, but can be applied to common rail five nine trucks, guys that are getting to those power levels, but didn't have this technology available to them at the time. So yeah, and it's always ever evolving. We're always trying to push those developments in the newer model years. Like for example, when we talk about screamer turbochargers, we now launched a SEMA or screamer turbo for the fifth gen Cummins Ram or the 2019 plus model. So it's all the same stuff that we've learned from testing and from all our six, seven turbochargers currently that we can apply to the new model as well. Now with the fifth gens, is the dimensions like on the compressor and the turbine side the same as the third and fourth gen trucks? Yeah, fundamentally the, the turbocharger is different. It's a different part number. It's a different turbocharger. It has slightly different components, but it's still an HE300. Right, it's like a, you would call it like the next gen, um, and so size, wheel size wise, yeah, very very similar uh, to the outgoing generation, but package wise, quite different. Um, so we were able to apply the technology and the things we know about wheel sizing and turbine flow to this next turbocharger in the new packaging. It's cool. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I think when. You know, so I never know with the audience, you know, they have a third gen, is it a fourth, is it a 2020? You know, I never know. So I always like to see, you know, what uh, what, what your range does it apply to? Or can anybody, you know, from 07.5 to current be able to take advantage of it? So I think that's really cool that all the way up to current trucks, there's, you know, that option. And there's a lot of people that like to get a little bit more power out of, you know, new trucks as well, not just the older ones. So, yeah. With, uh, there's did, so much potential. Yeah, for sure. And I thought of a, of a curveball to throw you because um, you'd mentioned transmissions. And um, recently somebody on YouTube had asked me, they have uh, an ASIN. And they said, yeah. how come I don't see a whole lot of transmission stuff for them? Like I can with 68 RFEs. I wanted to ask you for your opinion on that transmission. And if you think in the future, there might be some you know upgrades for them or 
you know, just kind of what your your thoughts are. I know it's tough because it, you know they're in thirty five hundreds, so it's not like yeah. uh, a ten speed Ford or you know ten speed Allison where it's in every truck. So it's a it's a smaller ownership kind of pool. Yeah. But I know people are definitely curious about it. Totally, and that's something in research development that we have on our backlog in our docket, if you will, on that is to uh, explore more into the ASIN world. We have taken uh, one or two apart and taken a look at things. It's quite a bit more robust, larger transmission than the sixty eight RFE. Um, and I'm sure there's opportunities to uh, have increased. I mean, like even you build an Allison, it's a good transmission, very strong, very robust, but there's small cracks in the wall, right? Same thing that goes with uh, 6R140s, big, heavy transmission, fairly robust, but again, there's weird idiosyncrasies, and all those things all exist across every transmission design, right? The designer and the company that made the transmission, they had to make some compromises for cost and packaging, uh, and such that leave room for improvement. And that's where aftermarket companies like ourselves take advantage, right? Um, we can spend the R&D time and, and try to pick up advantages in those compromises. But by and large, the uh, Cummins, as you'll be aware, the Cummins diesel scene really seems to uh, still hold on to the 68 RFE. And I think partly due to the availability, there's like tons and tons of those trucks have 68s in them. And the other being it's a known quantity that yeah, they get a bad rap stock, but to be fair, uh, there's a lot of really, really nicely built 68 RFP options and upgrade packages available today. I don't feel like it's unreasonable for uh, an owner to get a really well-built 68 to hold 600 horsepower day in, day out without any sort of issues. Yeah, oh, for sure. And it, it's definitely, you know, come a, a long way. And, you know, when I think about other brands, um, you know, Allison, five speeds, six speeds, they have a failure point as well. And, exactly. you know, and Ford transmissions and, and things like that. So it's been cool to see the 68 RFE world kind of get to the the point that it is. And I, I thought of uh, another question to ask you because you work at BD Diesel, one of the largest aftermarket diesel companies out there. You see tons of trucks, tons of products. You're working, designing on things. If you were going to buy a used diesel truck, knowing the aftermarket as you do, and you want yeah. kind of that ultimate 550, 600 horse truck, which one would you yeah. get? Oh man. <laughs> so I'll preface this. I am a huge GM fanboy. So uh, growing up around a drag strip, of course, uh, Chevy driveline stuff is, is big. So automatically heavily influenced as a small child. So I'm a GM guy <laughs> and you'd be hard pressed um, not to hard press to stop me from building like a late, LML. Uh, but I think, and I've said this to many of my friends, I think ultimately if you wanted a great, reliable weekend warrior that was more cost effective to play to play around with and easier for backyard wrenching, I personally would probably buy an early fourth gen round. I could be convinced of that pretty pretty quickly. I like that, you know, 2011, 2012, the bodies look really nice. The interior is much nicer than a third gen. Like it's a nice truck. Um, but it doesn't have some of the complications that you experience with a 2013 plus truck, uh, especially 2013s, 2014s. They got uh, sort of a goofy cooling system going on that had some teething issues. Um, not that I wouldn't buy a 15, 16, 17 or, or newer Cummins truck, but I just really feel like that 20, you know, 2011, 2012 is like really Goldilocks. Like they make a ton of power. They have a ton of parts availability. Really, really, really great truck. And that's probably honestly where I would go if I wanted to play in the driveway and mess around. 
I asked you that question because I get it all the time. Somebody doesn't have a diesel truck and they go, well, which one, which one would you guys recommend that I get? And I think they ask us because we talk with a ton of different people and, and they always want to know what people in the industry really look towards or what they would do. And yeah. I, I think with that fortune, you're right. Like the, the body style is really nice. The interior is like light years better than the third gen was. That's but, right. but you still kind of have the simplicity, you know, of it and it's, how easy they are to work on. Still sort of a third gen, right? Like when yeah. you get under the hood and you start mucking around with it, it's still sort of a third gen kind of <laughs> setup going on. So it, it's an easy truck to work on. Like you get a big GM fanboy, you want to talk about swapping a turbo. I mean, you got to roll up your sleeves and get under there in the drive. If, if you're like me, if you're, you know, driveway wrenching or doing your work yourself in a shop or something like this. It can be very rewarding with a Duramax, but there's going to be some labor involved, especially injectors or something where, yeah. uh, you know, i got buddies with Cummins trucks and man, am I jealous that you started looking at doing injectors. I mean, you pretty much have injectors done on that early fourth gen before coffee break, right? <laughs> Not the case for my LB7 in the driveway. <laughs> yeah, that's a very important, uh, you know, component of it is either how much time, you know, am I personally going to spend doing it or if I'm paying a shop to work on it. What's my labor rate going to be for some of these upgrades? Exactly. Yeah. It's parts availability. It's like any motorsport stuff. Like that Cummins has really the sort of become the gold standard in performance stuff, and the the marketplace really embraces that. So, well, it was it was really cool to chat with you today, Shane. Like I said, I, I've seen the videos and watched you know your explanations on turbos and different things, and that's why I was really excited to chat with you today. But I think learning more about you know, exhaust brakes, turbos, things that people can look to, to do to their six, seven to create kind of that ultimate you know, daily driver, you know, towing setup with turbo and, you know, air and fuel and transmission and all that. Um, people are really going to appreciate that because they're looking, they're looking to find those answers from somebody who does this all the time. And you're, you know, they're designing products and taking input from tons of different, you know, places. And it was, it was cool to learn that. So I know there's always gonna be somebody that has questions because each build's kind of unique um, or they have different goals. Where's the best place for them to be able to, you know, learn more about what we talked about or maybe reach out to the sales guys or ask technical questions, um, you know, about anything we discussed or maybe things we didn't even touch on today. Yeah, for sure. The best place to go would be bddiesel.com. That's our website. Go there, all the information, all our products is there. Uh, we have an extensive uh, product pages. Uh, and if you want to know more, you can reach out uh, via email off the website or uh, even call the 1-800 number. But yeah, you reach out on the website, check out all the stuff. Uh, and often the uh, we at R&D, we work pretty closely together with the uh, tech support department. So uh, we have a lot of information sharing between the two and we're always there to assist. So. Well, awesome. It was great to chat with you, Shane. I'm, I'm sure uh, I'll have to get you back on here and maybe do a Duramax episode since you're a GM guy. Oh, it'd be sweet. <laughs> sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, had a great time. Uh, love doing these things. Love sh- talking, uh, talking shop, man. Appreciate it. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Fluid Amter. Check out what they have for your Cummins, Duramax, or Power Stroke. It's uh, you know, something every truck could use whether it's stock or it's a high performance build everything in between um make sure to check out our episode it, it, it was a great uh, great learning experience for me i didn't know a ton about them um you know i'd heard about that upgrade i always kind of thought it was for racing i didn't understand just how important it is on a daily driver something that you might be towing with every day and the way that the factory dampener can fail over time um and you know we all want to avoid 
uh, an engine rebuild unless we're you know planning on building a race truck or something like that so it's cheap insurance to be able to guard against that also if you're in the market for a knife check out kershaw.kiausa.com use code diesel 20 for 20 percent off it's a great way to save some money around the holiday time and we appreciate them offering that discount code it's just for you guys it's not a national campaign or something that they're doing they're offering it specifically to diesel podcast listeners and i've seen some of the cool gear that you guys have gotten so it's a great way to be able to take advantage and get some cool stuff i want to give a shout out to some of our patreon supporters tyler lone at 23 diesel caleb all of our other patreon supporters all of you who listen every week whether it's on itunes or spotify youtube those of you on our discord we love hearing from you guys love seeing what you're working on um you know let us know what we can do better let us know topics that you want us to cover guests you'd like to have on there's a number of different ways to be able to reach out to us whether that's following us on instagram or facebook joining our discord or just commenting on youtube we're always checking all of our social media to be able to make sure that we get the topics and the guests that you want on onto the diesel podcast until next time keep the shiny side up